continue uh, on this topic of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we talked last session about uh, how Jesus did the things he did, not in the power of being the Son of God, which many people very quickly assume that he did miracles, he walked on water, he healed the sick, uh, he uh, cast out demons because he was the Son of God, uh, or because he was God. Uh, but we saw last time that Jesus did the things he did in the power of being filled with the Holy Spirit. It was because of the anointing of the Holy Spirit that he was able to do the things he did. And therefore, we can do the same works as he did. And he actually said that, that we would do the same works that he did because uh, he went to the Father. Uh, and then he would send the Holy Spirit. So in this session, I would like to focus on our need for power. Uh, some might say that this whole issue of uh, the baptism and the Holy Spirit and uh, maybe speaking in tongues, uh, that these things are only for uh, charismatic people. But I would argue that the Bible makes it very clear that this is something that all believers need. It's, it was not something that was supposed to be only for the first disciples. I would say, when we look in the Bible, we see that Jesus actually said that this was something that they needed. And if they needed it, I think it's very clear that we needed even more. Uh, that's why it makes no sense for me when people say that uh, the gifts of the Spirit and uh, the supernatural part only is for, uh, was for the first uh, disciples. We, want, we will start by reading from Luke today. Uh, because I want you to show how important this issue of being empowered by the power of the Spirit was to Jesus. In Luke 24... Jesus has basically just given uh, the disciples uh, the Great Commission, or Luke's version of the Great Commission. It is mentioned in Matthew, in Mark, in, in Luke, and also vaguely also in, uh, in John. But mainly uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are the ones who, who clearly has this uh, thing we call the Great Commission. And in Luke 24, Jesus has given them the command to go into all the world. But at the same time, he tells them in uh, Luke 24, verse 29, we can read. And now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. So he has just how to say, being given them the great commission to go into all the world to preach the gospel. But then he adds, but wait until you have the power from the Holy Spirit. We can read all the same, uh, how to say, the same situation in uh, Acts chapter 1. In Acts 1, uh, verse 4 and 5, uh, he is saying, 
do not leave Jerusalem until the Father send you the gift he has promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if they needed the Holy Spirit, the, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, power from on high, if they needed it to fulfill the Great Commission, I would say it's almost arrogant to say that we don't need it. The reason why this was so important for Jesus, that the disciples got empowered by this same power that enabled Jesus to heal the sick, to cast out devils. The reason why this was important for Jesus, that they had this power before they started the task, was that preaching the gospel is not only about delivering a message. That's a part of preaching the gospel. But we need to realize that, that the gospel is not just some theology where you just learn certain facts and, and then you're okay. The, the Bible, many people, they study the Bible, they read the black letters on the white paper, and they think they have understood because they, they have read the Bible. But you know, there is more to the Bible than just black letters on white paper. The, the Bible is the Word of God, not, in, not only in the sense that uh, that's what is written there is what God through His prophets, prophets have said, but the thing with the Bible is that the Bible still continues to speak today through the Holy Spirit, who is taking what is written in the Bible and speaks to us through what is written. I think a very good example of this is actually in John uh, chapter 5. In John chapter 5, Jesus is arguing, or the, rather I would say that the Pharisees are arguing with Jesus. But, you know, the Pharisees, they, they were people who had really studied the Scriptures. They knew the Old Testament, they have memorized it, they had read all the Messianic prophecies, they knew the Bible, but still, Jesus is saying to them in John 5, uh, 39 and 40, he says, you search the scriptures because you think they give you life, eternal life, but the scriptures point to me, yet you refuse to come to me to receive this life. In John chapter 6, Jesus is saying that the words I speak are spirit and life. It is not only empty doctrine. It's not only uh, dry theology. There is spirit and life behind uh, the scriptures. The problem was that the Pharisees, they were studying the scriptures without a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And because they were studying the scriptures without a relationship with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit couldn't speak to them and reveal His message through the things that were written. The result of that was that even though 
The Pharisees had read all the messianic prophecies. They had read everything about the Messiah and how the Messiah would be and what the Messiah would do. And yet, when Messiah was standing right in front of them, they didn't recognize him. Why? Because they had been reading with their minds. They had not, the Holy Spirit had not revealed, brought revelation to them through what they have been reading. And that, that is why it's so important for us as believers to really understand the importance of the Holy Spirit, not only in preaching the gospel, but in every aspect of our Christian walk. We need a relationship with the Holy Spirit because it's the Holy Spirit, as we have been looking in previous sessions, it's the Holy Spirit that takes what is written and makes it a revelation in our life. We need more than just theory. We need revelation. I know people who know all, how to say, facts about healing, what the Bible teaches about healing. Just one problem. They don't have a revelation of healing, so they don't see any healing in their own life. I have also friends who have no deep theology on healing, yet they see people healed all the time. And you wonder, like, what is the difference? These other people, they know a lot more about healing but they don't see people healed. And then we have these other people who maybe don't have a fancy theology, have all the answers regarding healing, but they actually see people healed. What is the difference? Is that, that they have a revelation that Jesus heals. And the revelation brings, you can say it in this way, that revelation brings the truth in the Bible they, they makes that a reality in your life. The Holy Spirit, when, when Holy Spirit reveals the issue of healing to you, then healing becomes a reality in your life. You might study the Bible, you might read the Word, you might, you might have all the answers, but until it becomes a revelation, it, it will only be dry doctrines. And the, the assignment that we have been given by Jesus, our Lord, is a supernatural assignment. What Jesus has asked us to do is a supernatural task. It involves the supernatural. If we read Mark 16, which is Mark's account of this great commission, we see in Mark 16, uh, Jesus is telling his disciples in Mark 16, verse 15 to 18. And then he told them, Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Everyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name, they will speak in new language, or as some translation says, they will speak in tongues. They will be, they will be able to, to handle snakes with safety, and if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them, which talks about supernatural protection. And then it says, they will be able to place their hands on the sick, and they will be 
healed. Many Christians, they are okay with talking about Jesus. They say, well, yes, of course, we should talk about Jesus to our friends and neighbors and co-workers. Everywhere we go, it's good to talk about Jesus. But you know, basically, that's just one-third of the assignment that we have been given. When Jesus, when he sent out his disciples, he said, preach the gospel, heal the sick, and cast out demons. And you can also add to that baptism. So basically, if, if we only talk about Jesus, we are not really fulfilling the great commission that Jesus has given us. And yet so many Christians, they are satisfied with only talking about Jesus. They are satisfied with not seeing people healed. If we don't see people healed, there should be a dissatisfaction in our heart. Why? Because we are not really seeing the things that Jesus said should follow believers. I don't believe we should run around after miracles, but I do believe that miracles should follow us. I don't follow miracles, but miracles should follow me. If miracles, if healings, if deliverance, if that is not a part of our Christian walk, there should be a dissatisfaction in our heart, an understanding in that we don't see the full thing that Jesus said should follow believers. There is more for us to learn. When Jesus, we see it even, when Jesus sent out his uh, disciples in the gospel, the disciples, they were basically in Jesus' training school. Uh, I'm not sure if they had any name. Maybe it was the Jesus Academy that they were uh, in. Anyway, they were disciples of Jesus. They were learning to be like Jesus. And we see when Jesus sent them out, he tells them as they preach the gospel, they should also heal the sick and cast out demons. Uh, we read in Luke 9, verse 1 and 2, One day Jesus called together his twelve disciples and gave them power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases. Then he sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And I think it's obvious there that he was also talking about casting out demons because he had just given them power to cast, cast out all demons. So we see when Jesus sent out his disciples on their kind of training assignment, what he tells them to do is to preach the gospel of the kingdom, to heal the sick, and to cast out demons. That was the things that they were going to do. In Luke 10, we see Jesus again sending out a larger group to preach the gospel. Again, it's kind of like a training mission. And he tells them in Luke 10, verse 9, you can read the whole chapter for contents, but now for the sake of time, we will just read verse 9. He says, Heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is near to you. Actually, everywhere in the Bible, when the gospel is being preached, or at least most places, we see signs and wonders as a natural part of 
preaching the gospel. Uh, I would like to go through uh, a few, a couple of verses in the book of Acts just to see you how naturally signs and wonders was a part of preaching the gospel for the first believers. The first is Acts 4, 29 to 30. And there it says, And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. And then they pray, Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servants. So as the first Christians were getting ready to go out and evangelize, were praying, how to say, for, for boldness to preach the gospel, in the same prayer, they also prayed to God that miracles, signs, and wonders would happen. Why? Because these things were supposed to be a part of the job description. In Acts 8, we read about Philip coming to Samaria, and he is preaching the gospel. And in Acts 8, verse 6, we read that the crowd listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear his message and see the miraculous signs he did. So Philip's PR strategy was not big posters, was not advertisement in the New uh, Jerusalem or Samaria Post. No, it was signs and wonders. That was drawing a crowd, and they, they used this as a way to preach the gospel. Uh, in Acts 9, we read about Peter. Uh, Acts 9, 34 to 35, Peter means, uh, meets a lame man, and it says, Peter said to him, Ananias, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and roll up uh, your sleeping mat. And he was healed instantly. And now listen. When the whole population of Lydia and Saron saw Ananias walking around, and they turned to the Lord. So here, the whole area got saved. Why? Because of a miracle. The miracle was a part of proclaiming the gospel. Later we read in Acts 9, verse 42, there is a woman who has died, and Peter is being called upon to pray for her. He raises her from the dead. And in Acts 9, 42, it says, The news spread through, through the whole town, and many believed in the Lord. So again, we see how miracles was a natural part of how the gospel was spreading. Uh, in Acts 14, uh, verse 3, it's kind of interesting. Here we see that miracles, that God did miracles to prove the message of the first disciples. And again, I don't say that miracles is the ultimate proof that your message is from God, because even the devil can do miracles. But we need to understand that at, at the same time as that is true, that we shouldn't run around after miracles, God does confirm his word. And one of the ways that God do confirm his word is through miracles. Acts 14.3, it says, 
But the apostles stayed there a long time, preaching boldly about the grace of the Lord. And the Lord proved their message which was true by giving them power to do miraculous signs and wonders. Did you get that? The Lord proved their message was true by giving them power to do miraculous signs and wonders. So, preaching the gospel, signs and wonders, that's a part of one package. And we shouldn't split it up like many people do today, where kind of preaching the gospel is one thing, and then signs and wonders as healing, that that's another thing that is not so important as long as we just preach the gospel. Yes, preaching the gospel is the most important thing, but according to the Bible, signs and wonder was a natural part of preaching the gospel. One verse here from Mark 16. It's interesting to see this is right after Jesus has given them the Great Commission. And then it says that uh, in uh, Mark 16, verse 20, And the disciples went everywhere and preached, and the Lord worked through them, confirming what they said by many miraculous signs. So again we see how the Lord was confirming His word by doing signs and wonders. And we see the same in uh, the ministry of Paul, how Paul, he was very conscious about not only presenting the gospel in words, but that the power of the Holy Spirit needed to be a part of presenting the gospel. Uh, in, in 1 Thessalonians 1.5, Paul is saying that uh, when the, he came there, he says in uh, 1 Thessalonians 1.5, For when we brought to you the good news, it was not only with words, but also with power. Not only with words, but also with power. And I want to end by reading two passages from Corinthians. Here, Paul is talking about when he came to Corinthians. And in 1 Corinthians 2, 1, he says, When I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I, did not, I didn't use word, lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. So Paul's, how to say, uh, Paul, he didn't want to preach the gospel just with lofty words or impressive wisdom. And he explains why. When you read verse 4 and 5, you can yourself read the whole context. But in 1 Corinthians 2, and then we read verse 4 and 5, it says, My message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speech, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so that you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. There is a very important key here when it comes to preaching the gospel. Today, we find tons of different theologies and views and people having opinion about all kinds of things. And it's easy to get confused. It's easy for people to maybe start to believe in Jesus and then they hear something else on the internet and then they start to follow that. And it's easy to be led astray. 
I remember when the Da Vinci Code came, uh, people were making all kinds of video on how to, how to say, arguments against, uh, argue against the Da Vinci Code because people were losing their faith because of this book or this film. The thing is that if your salvation is based upon that you have heard good arguments, you will very easily lose that salvation when somebody comes with a better argument. But you know, if I have taken my fingers and I put them into the socket in the wall, I will get kind of like electricity and I will probably start to shake and make funny noises and, and I will know, oh, there was electricity in the wall. If then a smart guy, a scientist comes to me and say, electricity is not real, it's just a figment of your imagination. There is no such thing as electricity. Maybe I will be foolish and I will put the finger in again to check and then I can feel there is power, uh, there is electricity there again. And again, the scientist says, no, 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 it's just something that you're imagining. There is no such thing as electricity. I would tell that, that scientist, you know, I don't care what you say. When I put the finger in the wall, I can feel that there is power there, there is electricity there. And you know, that's the same when we preach the gospel. We are not preaching only words, but we are to give people an encounter with Jesus. And when people encounter Jesus, when they get an experience with Jesus, then it doesn't matter what everybody else is saying because they know that they know that they have experienced something that was more than only theology, more than only empty words. And when people's faith is based on the power of God, then books like the Da Vinci Code or other strange things that may be floating around on the internet will not make people leave God. Why? Because they have a personal encounter with him. And when we preach the gospel, we need not only to preach with lofty words, it's not only empty theology, but we come with a powerful message that has the power to change people's life. It has the power to heal the sick. It has the power to deliver those who are in bondage. And we need to understand that we need the power of the Holy Spirit because in the same way as preaching the gospel is a part of our commission, in the same way healing the sick and casting out demons is a part of the, the job description that Jesus, our Lord, has called us to do. Amen? We will take a break now and then we will continue. Mm -hmm.